from the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services, USA. This is Catholic Military Life, the official podcast of the Archdiocese. Here now your moderator, Public Affairs Director Taylor Henry. Thank you, Elizabeth O'Sall, and today I'm glad to be talking to Stephen Booth, a co-sponsored seminarian currently studying at St. John the Evangelist Seminary in Brighton, Massachusetts. Stephen, thank you so much for talking to me today. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So uh, tell me, uh, how did you come to discover your vocation? Uh, well, my uh, my beginnings with the seminary is pretty standard, actually. Uh, I um. I come from a very Catholic family, very religious family. Uh, my mother and my father have uh, both um, both been Catholic their whole life, and um, I can remember distinct times growing up talking with my mom and my dad um, about their faith and how uh, there was a moment in their life when they had to choose to live their faith. Um, and so I took that forward with me when I went to high school and stuff like that. and. Uh, and in addition to that, my uh, I was actually homeschooled up till high school. So I was homeschooled, went to public high school, and uh, and my mother was very good at um, teaching the faith. I, I grew up reading the Bible. I grew up uh, reading the Baltimore Catechism, stuff like that. Um, but I really took it, I took my faith on my on myself in high school. Uh, that's when it started. And um, very good priests in my life. Um, I dated a bit, but by the end of high school, I. I felt the Lord was calling me to seminary, so that's one. You say your dad was in the military? He was. He was. Uh, he was a Marine. Yep. Wow. And uh, your mom too? Um, my mother's father was in the Navy. I see. You know, it's uh, remarkable that a young man like yourself uh, would choose the priesthood in a culture that is as secular as ours and growing more and more secular. Yeah. How was it that uh, you were able to see through those distractions? Right. It's a certainly a rough, uh, a rough time we live in for anyone of faith. Um, but I know... I know young men enjoy a challenge, and when I was growing up, uh, I was thinking about the military myself a bit. But then there was sort of a shift in my understanding. I started to see the priest as a real soldier for Christ, um, and uh, you know, for you know, a young mind, ten, twelve, you know, that was pretty cool. Um, so uh, I really that was part of my um, taking my faith serious. I started to see how how what the priest do, does in the sacraments really is bringing Christ to the world. So, um, so I really started to develop a love for the, love for the priesthood. And, um, and once you develop a love for someone, you can, you can weather a lot. So, uh, you know, what the world was starting to throw at me. And high school was pretty rough, um, but standard. I, I imagine most, you know, men and women going through high school would, would face the same stuff, you know, really off-color jokes about the priesthood, about, you know, stuff like that. Um, and, and certainly people uh, struggle to understand celibacy and stuff. But, you know, in a, in a time in our culture where, uh, you know, promiscuity is, is so prevalent, uh, it's not a matter of, of running away from these beautiful things that the church gives us, like celibacy. It's a matter of embracing them and uh, using it as an example to the world. So, um, uh yeah, it's, it's been tough, but uh, 
the Lord's been good, and he's helped me weather the, anything that the world throws. Help me understand celibacy a little more. It's more than just abstinence. Correct, yeah. It's really, um, celibacy is really radically living uh, the life of Christ, because that's um, what every Christian is called to is the imitation of Christ. But in a very unique way, the priest is configured to Christ, um, and Christ was a celibate man, and we're happy to follow after him. Let's back up a little bit. Where did you grow up? Dartmouth, Massachusetts. Uh, I've been there my whole, whole life, yeah. you have any siblings? I do. I'm the youngest of five. I see. And none of your siblings, I take it, uh, chose a consecrated life, at least not yet. No, they did not. They're all <laughs> married, actually, with kids. My uh, One of my brothers, he was thinking of um, he was thinking of religious life for a bit, and he was actually a, a bit of a, an example growing up, too. But Why did you choose to pursue the chaplaincy? So that's very interesting, actually. Um, I mentioned that I, early on, I saw the priest as, you know, a soldier for Christ. Um, but that understanding sort of went into the background when I was in high school and then entered, uh, entered minor seminary. And I was really um, just dedicated to being a seminarian for the Diocese of Fall River. Um, but the Lord, this is how the Lord works. He's, he stirs up memories. He stirs up, you know, things in your past. And uh, all of a sudden I started, I started thinking about what it would be like to be a military chaplain. I don't really know where it came from. Um, but other things, too. I, I, the church has been talking about the new evangelization for so long. And one realization that came to me is that the military is all young people, you know. And it also struck me that the diocese, my diocese, didn't have a military chaplain yet. And, um, and helping out around the diocese with different, different events, I started hearing young men and women saying, you know, they're going off to the service. And all these little all these little things started really to weigh on my heart a bit. And I was like, we don't have anyone from our diocese ministering to them. Um, so I asked the bishop, and he wasn't too keen at first, but uh, he did come around. And so at some point you contacted Father Aidan Logan, our vocations director? I did, yes. And uh, tell me about how that went. It was good. He was, he was very receptive. Um, we had a bit of an email back and forth, just sort of uh, ironing out some details. But he regularly visits uh, the, the men in the military archdiocese in their seminaries. So I was able to meet him when he came to St. John's to visit a few of his men there. Um, and he put me in contact with the people I needed to talk to, and we've gotten things ironed out. Um, Archbishop Brolio was very good. He, I'm sure he had something to do with talking to my bishop and stuff like that. So, And so where do you stand now in your seminary formation? I will be ordained a deacon in May. Wow. Well, congratulations ahead of time. That's the, that's the last big step before... Yeah. <laughs> priestly ordination. How do you feel about that? It's getting very real. I'm happy, though. And you're working on your Master of Divinity right now? Correct. Or theology? Okay. Yeah. And you've already done your philosophy. I have. Yeah. What is life like in the cemetery? Or cemetery? <laughs> seminary? <laughs> seminary. Um, it's good. It's really good. You know, uh, it's business as usual. Boston's been going through some, you know, turbulence, but it's business as usual at the seminary. Well, the whole church is going through a lot of turbulence yes, right now. Very true. Does that make it difficult to pursue a um, a life of, you know, service to Christ and to become a priest? Yes and no. We, I, I speaking for myself, anyways. Um, in high school, when I was thinking of the seminary to begin with, it was already after two thousand two. So, in a very real sense. I freely entered the seminary knowing 
and embracing, you know, the troubles that the church was going through and, you know, how people perceive the priest nowadays. Um, and so to have it again happen again in a certain sense um, isn't really anything new. I've already had this, you know, on my heart and, and you know, offered it up to the Lord. But uh, it does, it is disappointing a little bit, obviously, to have it happen again. Do you encounter any of the public backlash when you wear your collar in public? Every once in a while. But uh, you're prepared to deal with that, obviously. How? Well, it's part and parcel. I mean, it isn't ideal at all. But you know, the Lord suffered all these all these things. He was, you know, people laughed at him, whatever. So. Right. Um, well, th- thank you so much for uh, your service and your commitment. And I know I speak for a lot of Catholics in saying that uh, because we have such a shortage of Catholic priests uh, throughout the country, but especially in the military. Which yeah. branch do you plan to go into? The Navy. I see. And all the branches, we have a shortage, and, and we need priests uh, uh, such as yourself to step forward. Um so you'll spend the, your last year at St. John the Evangelist in uh, Massachusetts. Correct. And then what after that? Well, I'll be ordained in our cathedral, St. Mary's Fall River. And uh, it'll, I'll spend five, four to five years in my diocese. So the co-sponsorship program sort of is a on-off kind of thing. I work in the diocese. Um, and then after those five years or so, um, I'll start with the military. And it'll be a term in the military, about five years Um and then it sort of comes back to whether I want to go back to the diocese or stick with the military. You say your mom had a lot of influence on your decision to become a priest. When did you start to sense that you might be called? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. My mom was the uh, primary religious educator in the house. Um, and I don't have a moment when I, you know, all this, that I can remember all of a sudden thinking, man, this priesthood thing. Um, but I do have a moment in high school when I was in adoration that I, you know, I really felt the Lord on my heart. And uh, he pushed me sort of, because I was kind of scared to do it. And uh, in adoration before the Blessed Sacrament is when I really felt a burning in my heart to, to try the seminary. Um, Did you go to a Catholic high school? I didn't know. It was it was public high school. I see. And you say you went to minor seminary. That's uh, that's basically latter high school, right? Well, it's it's after high school. It's uh, for us. It's the four year philosophy program. It's for a, a man who's entering the seminary right out of right out of high school. Tell me about your study of philosophy. Did you find it interesting? At first, it was very difficult. Um, I started with. I started with things like modern philosophy and you know early modern stuff like that. It wasn't exactly um, it, it was it was difficult the uh, the language sort of getting around getting around the concepts and stuff like that. But towards the end of my time in college, I really started to enjoy it, especially ancient and medieval philosophy. And uh, being a philosophy major myself back in college, uh, the thing I found valuable about it was that it teaches you to think on your own. It really does. And to construct logical arguments. Yeah. and uh, Well, uh, so uh, then you moved on and you're studying uh, uh, theology now. When you're done, uh, 
uh, with your divinity degree. What's the last year in uh, seminary? Are you still working on the degree, or are you done with it? It's more practical now, so we're going to be taking a lot of practicums, um, preaching, confession, uh, and then a lot of canon law, so sort of understanding the, you know, the the gears, how the, how the church works. What do your folks think about your decision? They're, they're very supportive. Yeah. Your siblings? <laughs> My siblings, um, yes or no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> some of them are, some of them aren't. <laughs> At the very least, they're, they, they always say, you know, whatever makes you happy, which is kind of take it or leave it. But <laughs> Yeah, I hear you. Well, what do you say to the young man out there right now who's thinking about a vocation uh, to the priesthood and maybe also to the chaplaincy? What should they do? I say stay close to the Lord. You know, set aside time in your day. Um, if you don't, if you haven't yet, you know, start small. Start with once a week or something like that. But definitely build up time with the Lord, and He'll direct you. How do you learn to discern what God is calling you to do and separate that from the sure what you want to do from, or something yeah, like that, or from from uh, you know distractions? Yeah. Well, it is a matter of quieting things down because you know, with the world so loud as it is, you won't hear anything if you don't quiet things down. Um, but then once you've done that. You know, it's a matter of just sort of being honest with yourself, being honest with the Lord. And, uh, and I'm really convinced that he will lead you. And the rosary, I can't, I can't you know, overstate how important that is. How often, how often to say the rosary? Daily? If you can, yeah. build up to it, yeah. But if you, can, if you can't, a decade a day. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, a lot of folks say, well... Uh, Maybe there shouldn't be chaplains in the military because the military is about killing folks and the gospel is about peace. Yeah. How do you reconcile? Well, Jesus Christ goes everywhere. He goes to the you know to the happy parts of the world, to the best parts of the world, but he has to be present in you know in some of the worst areas too. Uh, and and wars wars tough, wars ugly, but you know to take God out of that environment, you know, he has to be there. Yeah, and I suppose folks, the men and women who are on the front lines and confronting their mortality exactly, uh, yeah. as much as anyone needs uh, uh, the uh, pastoral care that uh, only a Catholic priest can provide exactly. the faithful. We're recording this on uh, January 18th, and today is the March for Life here in D.C. You're yes. here for that, I right? Am, yep. uh, tell me about your feelings about abortion. Uh, I think it's one of the major scourges of the world and of our country, um, for sure. I've been coming to the March for Life now. <laughs> My mother's so good. She she had us, you know, as little kids out in front of the abortion clinics uh, in, in our diocese and stuff like that, and the March for Life has been a, a a big thing in our family, you know, we come down. Um, and it's so important to witness to life, to witness to life in, you know, all of its different forms, you know, old age, you know, continued support of, of children and, and, and mothers once, you know, they've given birth. Um, but it's the fact that children, unborn children in the womb are the ones being targeted right now, and we can't back down. Yeah, you know, a, a society is only as good as its ability to uh, protect its most vulnerable. So true. And I can't think of anybody more vulnerable than a child in the womb. Exactly, yeah. So you've been coming down here every year for how long for the March for Goodness. Life? Um, I'm going to make a guess, but probably about 10. So it's about 10. 
And there's been a couple of years I haven't come down for a different reason, but pretty consistent. Did you come down with a group? Um, for the most part, yeah, different church groups. Now it's been with the seminary for the past seven years. You know, this abortion fight is uh, sadly likely to be around for quite a while. It is, unfortunately. It already has been around for too long. <laughs> uh, I suppose one of the things you hope to do as a priest is to help raise awareness about this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, eventually declare, have it declared illegal. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Every child saved is, is a beautiful thing, though, you know, even if it's around. If, you know, women are being, you know, uh, kindly led away from something that's going to hurt, obviously, their child, but hurt them, too, uh, and their child's saved, that's a beautiful thing, even if it's just one. All right. Well, Stephen Booth, a co-sponsored seminarian, now completing his formation at St. John the Evangelist uh, Seminary in Brighton, Massachusetts. Uh, Stephen, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you so, for, so much for having me. It's been great.